Welcome to WVU Marketing Horizons, hosted by Ruth Stevens and Cindy Greenhouse. We are grateful to WVU, who offers renowned online master's degree programs in marketing communications, and this series is presented by the Reed College of Media as part of their ongoing marketing series. Thank you for joining us today. Ruth, I don't know about you, but um, since the pandemic, the airline and hospitality industries have just taken it on the chin and traveling has just become increasingly more difficult for all of us. And, uh, you know, it's been a real kick in the stomach between the delays we've had, the poor service, the lack of staffing, too much demand as we all decided to get back out there and fly. And, you know, we're seeing unprecedented low customer satisfaction and defections. And we've been really fortunate that joining us today from Singapore is Mark Ross-Smith, who's an author and founder of industry news site Travel Data Daily Mm. and CEO of Status Match. Mark has 20 years experience leading loyalty programs in telecoms and travel, most recently Malaysian Airlines. So why do you think should we invite Mark onto our show? Isn't that interesting? Hi, Mark. Thanks for joining us. Hello. It's fabulous to be with you today. Lovely. Well, we have a million questions about the airline business from a marketing perspective. Why is it as bad as it is today? And is there any hope of emerging out of this um, from a marketing perspective? Let's hear it. I don't know what you're talking about, low satisfaction. The <laughs> flying is fun today. Don't you like delays? I love them. And cancellations. Cancel- oh, low staff, you know, cancellations. This, this is the best time to be alive. <laughs> to your point, you know, obviously the last few has been pretty challenging for airlines, especially early on 2020. Uh, you know, if we fast forward today, a few things have happened. Specifically today, actually, no, let's rewind to, to mid 2020, 2021, because there's something really interesting here with specifically on loyalty marketing. And that's that the airline loyalty programs, which we all know, you know, is collecting your miles and your status and your points and the free seats, that kind of stuff. All the airlines were, especially the big US airlines, they published their financials from specifically from the loyalty program, not just the airline selling seats, but the loyalty program. And this is the first time the world really got a glimpse inside the sort of, you know, under the hood, you know, how it all works, all the financials. Mm. And, and the airlines were disclosing this because they had to, because they were using it as collateral to secure government loans. Yeah. Obviously mm. to survive. And what we, what we sort of discovered is that these loyalty programs, wait for it, are worth more than the airline itself. Oh my God. Right. So as, as it, it's suddenly, it's not this little marketing division that you have at an airline. Suddenly it's a marketing company that has a flying metal tube division. <laughs> I love that. Is the other way around, right? Uh, there was one point, you know, American United Delta, all their loyalty programs are worth anywhere between 22 and $30 billion. Wow. At the same time, the market cap of the airline was somewhere, of all three, somewhere between eight and 12 or something. So the loyalty program itself, you know, just worth more. Obviously, it needs the airline to survive to hold that value. But mm-hmm. it obviously used that as collateral to secure loans and, you know, some of those being paid back and, you know, everyone's happy. So keep that in mind. Fast forward to today and, you know, airlines, they're totally creamy at basically. They're making so much money 
I think it was United that said they had the highest um, revenue in history was it last quarter, I think it was. You know, this is a combination of like revenge travel and what they're calling they're calling leisure, which is a mix of business travel and leisure travel. You know, you might have seen some of the latest British Airways marketing campaigns. Uh, like these are on billboards and stuff throughout the UK. It says things like, you know, why are you traveling? It's got like three three check boxes. It says, you know, business is one, leisure is one, and the other one is to file the divorce papers. Or you know, it's, it's, it's always this this quirky <laughs> oh, this quirky third option because you know sometimes we're when we travel, it doesn't always fit into a box. It's not always leisure, not always business. It's like it's it, it's something else. You know what I mean? Uh, and so I think we're starting to see, you know, airlines put. I mean, they're just making so much money right now. Some of them are starting to reinvest that into you know quirky, innovative new new marketing campaigns because you know this gravy train of high yields and a lot of cash coming in isn't going to last forever, as we've learned throughout the last century of flight you know there's ups and downs and you know airlines are pretty good at trying to smooth that out and they realize that you know this isn't going to last forever so you need to invest in sort of the next what we'll call the next the flies of tomorrow we'll call it or you know six months from now 12 months from now so we're starting to see a bunch of really cool innovative marketing offers come out because of that so who's doing it really well? Um, can you give us some good examples of good loyalty programs in your mind? So airline loyalty programs have been referred to as the greatest marketing invention of all time. Hmm. As Gary Leffer, a blogger from View from the Wing, he, he said this uh, was probably a decade ago. And that's because in airline loyalty, they make a lot of their uh, money from selling miles to banks. Yeah, or credit cards. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you've got your credit card, you swipe your card. Every time you do that, a bunch of people are making money. Very small amounts on every transaction. But, you know, effectively, your bank is buying miles off the airline and putting those miles into your account, your loyalty account, right? The airline sees that as cash up front, as revenue straight away. Um, that just sort of sits in their back pocket for a while. They might use it to, you know, buy some stuff. Um, there's some accounting stuff they have to look through there. But basically, they use that as working capital. And what means you've got the cash up front, you might not redeem these miles for, you know, what, two, three, five, 10, 20. Some of these miles never expire anymore, right? Yeah. So you think from a loyalty perspective, how do you keep people engaged if their points never expire? Right? You earn them today, as long as you have some activity, 10 years later, they're still there. You know, you've got this, you know, quote liability, which is not really in airline world. It's actually, it's actually an asset. Um, that is, you know, some point, someone hopefully going to redeem for that flight to, you know, there's a lot of aspirational sort of logic in this where you, you collect your miles. You go, I'm going to redeem this for a first class flight to Paris one day or you know, whatever. There's, there's that, that romance around collecting miles that, you know, I think the, the airline, the marketing part of the airline does really, really well. You know, they sell the dream, they sell the beaches, they sell, you know, you can go to Tahiti and look at the overwater bungalow and you can swim with the dolphins and that's what they sell. But actually, you know, they just want you to spend on your credit card. Yeah. Isn't that the truth? You know, you, you said something interesting there. Well, everything you said is really interesting. And being a data geek that that Ruth and I love data and looking at loyalty programs and how they're making more money than ever. But you know, it's very spiky. They like to, you know, pull on our heartstrings that they're having such cash problems when oil prices go up and we're not traveling and we should feel sorry for them. And, and then all of a sudden they're making too much money. Um, so 
are they managing their business and managing and using data about the customers and flyers much better than they let on? And they're just making us think that they're not as good at managing their business through these ups and downs? So I'll give you a real world example on airlines and personalization. Uh, so I booked a, a, a ticket a couple of days ago with a pretty well-known big name airline. And I'm a gold member with this airline. So I get a bunch of perks like priority boarding, um, free seat selection, free bags. You know, I'm treated like a what I call a business class customer, even when I'm traveling in coach, right? And so I'm booking this ticket. I'm halfway through the booking process. And, you know, I am keeping in mind that airlines, they took, they took a big game when it comes to big data and AI and personalization. And so I'm logged into the airline's website at this point. So they know who I am, yeah? They've pre-filled my name and my email, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then I get to this page and it says, you can pay to select a seat. And I'm like, hang on, I get free seat selection. And it was trying to, it was trying to upsell me to a, better, a slightly better coach seat. That's really where I was going. And I thought, no, this is not true. Because I know if I call the airline, I get this for free anyway. What that aside. But then the next upsell below that was, would you like uh, lounge access for, for your children? Right. And I'm thinking... Hang on a sec. My five-year-old's not counted as a guest in the lounge because five-year-olds don't go into lounges and start drinking champagne. <laughs> they sit in lounges like good children, and you know, <laughs> uh, well, hopefully they do. Mine do sometimes. So, you know, and, and on top of that, this was a connecting flight through one city to another, and the airline said, "Do you want to you want a high car for you know your your destination?" But I got the destination wrong. It was actually my layover city. I was there for two hours. Like, why do I want a car in this city for two hours? Like, <clears throat> like, so in some ways, airlines have a lot of really cool stuff going on, and this is a real world example where I think I'm going to guess every single person listening to this podcast has gone through a similar scenario where. You're being tried to be sold something, right? So instead, the airline could have been selling me earn triple miles for this flight. Yeah, some of the laws you've been I like collecting miles. Cool. Or sell me, you know, a VIP meet and greet or something, something that I'm willing to pay for, right? Because in, in the airline loyalty marketing world, if you're like a silver, gold, platinum, like if you've got status with an airline, right, you're, you're already in the top 5% of global travelers, right? In terms of value to the to the industry. These people combined represent about in airline about 30 to 50% of uh, ticket sales to airline in terms of revenue. Right. So as a group, these are the single most valuable people that you can possibly get to travel. And here they are trying to flog a car rent for two hours in a connecting city. <laughs> so maybe as data driven marketers, they're, they need to go back to school, it sounds like, or they need some training in customer experience, marketing and management. In some ways, yes. In, in that example, yes. There's some other cool things they do. I've seen airlines use you know, astrology data to send marketing emails to people knowing that they're going to open it based on certain numbers that people see in the subject line. Like I've said, I've seen some as amazing now. Let's do that. It's actually pretty cool. It worked as well. Get the click rates go up. The open and click rates. I think I'll do very well. <laughs> numbers, um, certain numbers in the subject line, like like numerology and like life path numbers and stuff. Like I mean, in this part of the world, where I, like this is a big thing, right? So it's not for everyone, and it's not for you know for 
big groups of population. But for those that they targeted, yeah, it could be pretty effective. It's it's like it's like your soul is attracted to this number and therefore you see the number and like, I'm gonna click it. Wow. <laughs> Subconsciously wow. without thinking about it. <laughs> well, you know, we've seen a lot about the behavioral economics and we've actually had a, a couple of guests who've been talking about the psychology of marketing and bringing more of that um, Good point, Cindy behavioral psychology into our marketing and communication. So why not? If it works, I think that's great. So Mark, you know, we, if the industry is something we love to hate. We love to hate the airlines. We can't do without them. And um, they are important to us, you know, to get around and, and, and to whether we aspire to it or we just want to, uh, you know, get to Cleveland because we have to. Um, do you think that the airlines can overcome this negative customer satisfaction? Do they even feel they need to or because, you know, we depend on them, they can basically behave how they want? I think that's the right question. Do they need to? Do they want to? Because today they're making more money than they ever have right and if you're doing so well there's a it's kind of like you know you're an olympic athlete right and you win the 100 meter sprint right you get your gold medal year after year after year you know you don't think why did i win right i mean you kind of <laughs> i know why i won right whereas the guy that came second or third fourth you know or girl they're thinking how can I win next time, right? They're more eager. They're more keen to try new things, to do new things, to improve the, cu- well, in airline terms, improve the customer experience to just do different stuff, right? Because they, they're they the competitor. They're, they're the number two, the number three. They're trying to be number one. They want to be number one, right? But when you're number one, or you're making just so much money, you know, it's, it's like, well, what, do, do I need to do that? You know, airline, some airlines have had their, you know, like their airline lounges, closed for a long time or was undercated or the or even worse there's there's lines to get into these these, some of these lounges you know like an i've seen one of the i think it was delta had someone had put photos on uh, online about it was like a two-hour wait to get into the lounge and then the people in the lounge were coming down the line giving like bottles of water and stuff to people like while they're waiting to now keep in mind if you can get to a lounge presumably you're in that top five percent right like these these are the people like you can't you can't mess around with these people you know what I mean? It's, you know, if if someone's, I'm making up, if someone's flying 20, 30, 40, 50 flights a year with you, right? They're spending what, 5, 10, 20, 50,000 bucks with you, right? This mm-hmm. is a really good customer. Like how how much does it cost to replace that customer or someone else of equivalent value? A, a lot, I could do. A lot, yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm so intrigued that with, with your point about how the, the loyalty programs have become a larger source of profits than the commercial part of the, the business. Does that mean that the loyalty program managers who are fundamentally marketers have more status internally than they used to have? Is, is this a, an area where um, careers are built? Do Ooh. Are the heads of the loyalty programs becoming CEOs of airlines what's the what's the kind of organizational or career outcome of this revelation that the loyalty programs are the the source of profits this is one of my favorite topics uh, I you, you're totally right um, I, I published an article a while back called you know lo- loyalty is a sea level role and 
it's all about exactly to your point in in the airline space especially hotels somewhat um loyalty is it saved the airlines basically right it saved them like it, it makes so much money and it's actually sustainable revenue and profits like this isn't just something happened in the last two years airlines have been making this kind of money for 20 years kind of like this is this is not a new thing hmm. and I, I you know i talk about if if lots of programs are so important to these brands why are they not represented on the board why is it not like a CEO of loyalty or a chief loyalty officer, a C-level role, basically. Um, because that's effectively what it is. These these people should be promoted with the organization. In airlines, they have had more of a voice definitely in the last few years. Um, you know, had a lot of scrutiny early on, obviously, because suddenly you've got all the um, CFOs going, oh, hang on, we've got this loyalty thing. What are these points and miles again? I, I don't really. You know. <laughs> They're oh, waking up. <laughs> that's right because that bank paid us x million billion dollars last year you know uh, yeah okay um you know some some of these when i talk about you know they're being profitable i mean american airlines published in one of their early papers that uh, sec filings that the gross margin on selling points was i think 72 or 73 percent net margin 50 something wow. percent it was um you know 50% net margin is unbelievable. Pretty or I mean, think what they, they make on margin on it selling a seat for you to fly across. It's not that, there's no way near that really. So, you know, loyalty is sort of, let's replace world loyalty with marketing for a second because that's really what it is. It's really a marketing program. Right. We just call it loyalty. So people don't really know, it, you know, <laughs> just doing just distracted with spoken mirrors and, you know, you know. Um, but yeah, you're right. The loyalty programs, are worth a lot of money. And I think, you know, if if I was not working in airline, if I was marketing in, say, another industry, I'd be looking at the airline industry and go, what what could I copy from them? Because they're doing something right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what could I what could what are they doing that's right? And a lot of that I think I'll, I'll give you one bonus tip here. I think is around emotional connection. Mm, yeah. So yeah. airlines really pull those heartstrings. You know, uh, you look at all the really good airline advertising that's out there. You look how they promote their loyalty marketing programs. Like I said, it's all about beaches and, yeah. you know, these these connecting, seeing family again, you know, this kind of stuff. You know, how can you tap into that? So, Mark, if loyalty marketers inside airlines have generated more status or are having more fun now that it's demonstrable that they're driving so much of the revenue and profit. Do you recommend to young people that they go into this field as a career? Into airline loyalty marketing? I mean, mean, yes. Yes, that's that's an easy check that box. Um, Think about travel in general, because that's what airline travel loyalty marketing does. It, It inspires you to think beyond your city or your town, right? It, it gets you to dream big. You know, it starts, you start looking at, you know, night markets in, in Hong Kong and you start looking at the Great Wall of China and the, the pyramids in Egypt, all this kind of stuff, right? And it gets you thinking, you go, ah, oh, gee, I'd really like to go there. You know, I haven't been able to go the last couple of years because of whatever reason, but, you know, now potentially I can again. And, you know, as humans, we have this innate, desire to explore and see and do things you know and so the world of travel 
is never going away. If anything, it's only going to grow the more people there are on this planet and the more, you know, more ability to uh, more income we have, we're, mm-hmm. we're just going to spend more of it on travel and new experiences and adventures and all this fun stuff that we're potentially born here to do, you know? So we term, look at in terms of how do you market that experience? How do you get people to, to, to get out there and go see things? You know, I think this, this ain't going away. If anything, mm. this is, this is going to grow. This is a fabulous industry to be in because ultimately when you're in a travel marketing space or a role, you're, you're, in, you're, you're bringing magic to people's lives. You're bringing new experiences. You're bringing spark to, you know, something new, um, memories that they can, you know, then build on and tell their friends and family and put on Facebook and Instagram and take selfies in first class and all this kind of stuff. So you're, you're basically just brightening up people's lives. And, you know, who wouldn't want to be in a career where you can do something like that? Wow. That's awesome. Thank you, Mark. Fantastic. Thanks for joining us today, Mark. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Cindy, wasn't that amazing? Who knew that loyalty programs in airlines, at least, are more valuable than the underlying business itself? And how funny that we've only found this out thanks to COVID, because in order to get bailout money, the airlines had to reveal those finances. So here we are, of course, you and I are also flyers and and users of these programs. And gee, we, this is something that we didn't know either as marketers no, or as business no. people. So, you know, as we said, this is the industry we love to hate, but, you know, we do mm. feel sorry for them with rising fuel we costs do. and inflation and, and, you know, and you tend to say, oh, their model must be really tough and there's low margins in the business. And, and wow, that was an eye opener. Um, you know, also just the, the people that run those loyalty programs should be the king and queen. My goodness, they should give them any perk they ever wanted. I mean, they're, they're making that business happen. And, but I um, got, didn't you get the impression from his point about having written an article called loyalty is a C-level role that they're actually not really getting the propers that they deserve yet? Sure sounds like it. Mm. Um, this may be another situation where us as marketers don't get the seat at the table. Do they realize how valuable they are to the institution? Are they aware that they are driving the financial profitability of the firm and they should be flexing their financial muscle? Like, are they speaking in financial terms or like most marketers, right. are they still you know, doing the soft conversation about you know, things that companies are not as interested in. Yeah, satisfaction 50. and loyalty. So it was interesting that um, we need to look at who are the flyers of the future? Who are the consumers of the future? Take that concept against all other loyalty programs as well. And, you know, Ruth, when you get to thinking about a career, my goodness, this looks mm. like a place that we certainly would want to recommend that our listeners consider is careers in loyalty, whether it's airlines or other. Indeed, it's really eye-opening, especially that point he made toward the end of the conversation about how the this industry is now proven to be 
really successful and in the airlines at least and let's who those of us who want to be effective in retention and loyalty marketing should be looking at these airline programs as a model for picking up principles and examples and ideas and and breakthroughs in how we can encourage uh, our retention marketing to be more successful. Wow, it's a role model yeah. for us. Copy what they do because they're certainly doing well. As the, I agree, and you know when he was saying the, some of these statistics that were so remarkable that if you are in a frequent flyer program, if you're in a traveler loyalty program, you represent the top five percent. And that top 5% is 30 to 50% of all ticket sales. And this is classic Pareto, right? Pareto principle, the 80-20 rule, 80% of your business comes from 20% of your customers. Well, so yeah, that means they have an opportunity to treat them even better and consider them, you know, when a, a, a status person walks into the, the lounge or the airport waiting room, they should be treated like gold. Yeah. And even when you abuse them and treat them poorly, they still are the top tier. So again, to extrapolating that to other loyalty programs, regardless of um, what industry or business, if you have a loyalty program, you should be looking at how you treat that top mm. I 5, was... 10, 20%. Indeed. And of course, as status flyers ourselves, sometimes we don't feel that we're getting <laughs> the treatment that we would like. But that relates to another point he made that I found kind of scary and depressing, that now that airlines post-COVID are making money hand over fist, in despite the general dissatisfaction of flyers today they seem to have no incentive <laughs> to try to try right. to fix things at least for the time being darn That's for sure <laughs> i know it's not going to get any better for any of us how depressing is that yeah <laughs> there isn't a need yeah there isn't a need i also loved his point about how they're really selling a dream when it comes to airline advertising and marketing communications, that's inspirational for us too, that it's less about the functional benefit or, or outcome. It's about the emotion. Yes. And boy, he got quite thrillingly grandiose about it at, at the end saying, Travel is magical and it expands our lives. In fact, he even at one point said, it is the meaning of life. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> and um, that's something that we can all take away is how do we make our businesses dream worthy? Yes, yes. And bring magic into people's lives or help them see it as aspirational, tug at the heartstrings. You know, even we've seen even um, 
Nest or the company that does, you know, the thermostats and the and the security cameras, you know, you turn it, we said, oh, it's your keep away burglars or, you know, for peace of mind. And now how they're using it to be more aspirational and I can use it to have this wonderful environment and this, you know, feeling of home, sweet home. And so, I mean, there's lots of ways we can do it no matter what your product is. I think that was a good um, point that we should remember is how do we make what we do more meaningful to um, individuals uh, and bring that little bit of magic into people's lives. Yeah. And that loyalty programs have been called the greatest marketing success of all times. Wow. This category deserves more attention from us marketers, I think. It sure does. Well, thank you, Ruth. This was a great opportunity to speak with Mark and to speak with you. Thank you. You've been listening to WVU Marketing Horizons, hosted by Ruth Stevens and Cindy Greenglass. Please be sure to visit go.wvu.edu slash mctoday to view our upcoming conversations, listen to previous discussions, and subscribe to our series.